Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. I want to thank you all for coming back for yet another awesome episode. We have a special episode lined up for you this evening. As I teased for the past month and a half, we're going to shoot out this Haunted Campus episode. I don't really have a good name for this thing yet, but maybe it'll come to us by the end of the show. But to help me this evening, I have a very, very special guest with me. You may know her from the Facebook page. You may know her from the group page on Facebook. That's a terrible introduction. How do you want me to introduce you? <laughs> hey, guys. It's Addie Lloyd from from no, the Facebook page. Hey, Addie, how you doing? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. That was an awful, awful introduction, and I apologize from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> I'm so it's bad okay. at this stuff. No, no, no. It's perfect. So, as I said, Addie is our Facebook moderator, and she does an excellent, excellent job at it. Uh, I can tell you when she first came aboard, I had like 10 followers or something, and nobody was talking about anything on the page. And if you go there now, it's, it's a fun place to be. So thank you for that, Addie. I really, really do appreciate it. You're welcome. Hey, guys, he doesn't even pay, I don't even pay him to say those nice things about me. Well, that's funny, because I don't pay you to do all the hard work you do either. So we're even, <laughs> I guess, right? <laughs> We are. So before we get launched into this, <laughs> I think it's going to be a very long episode, um, which you guys may enjoy. But before we get launched into this, there's something that I hear on other podcasts that I don't get to do, and I get very jealous about it. They get to pick out a beer and talk about it and drink it while they record. Um, I, mine's usually scripted, and I'm down here by myself, so what's the point of all that? Uh, but today, Addie and I decided we would pick out uh, one of our favorite beers, introduce it, and talk about it. So, uh, Addie, why don't you go ahead first with your selection? Well, what I have is a, a Saison, and I am kind of a redneck, so I say Session. And it's from Left Hand Brewery in Logmont, Colorado. And it's called Guinevere Juniper. And it's made from juniper berries, which sounds terrible, but it's pretty darn smooth. It's dry and crisp. A farmhouse ale is what the can totes. It sounds delicious. <laughs> the can, is, is this the same can with the, yeah. oh, okay, this is the juniper can. There's another can from that company that you showed me that has uh, some sort of mystery cat or something on it. What, what is that creature? Well, it, at first I thought it was a bull because of the ring. Like it had a, what's that called? Like a bull ring. When you, like a bull ring. But I think it's uh 
I really do think it's some kind of a mystery cat, and it's their Oktoberfest, and it's seasonal, also from Left Hand, and it's uh, pretty light, and it's toasty, and the noble hops lead to a spicy and clean lager finish. That also sounds great. I'll tell you, from my selection, I went with my old camping favorite from Mammoth Brewing Company in Northern Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. Northern California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got Colorado on the brain today. Uh, is the Double Nut Brown. Um, now, the cool thing about this one is it's the uh, World Beer Cup Gold Medal winner back in 2012. I didn't find this beer until maybe a couple years ago, so I, I guess it's been around a while. But it's uh, it almost tastes like a cup of cold coffee, um, but it'll kind of mess you is up. Is it like... Is it bread in a cup? Is it uh, is it it's, thick? It's very thick. It's very. Um, it has a, a hint of maple syrup. It has that nutty flavor to it, um, like a hazelnut flavor. Uh, but it is a, a porter type beer. I don't think it's a genuine porter, but it's a very dark, slushy beer like that. Um, and that's how I like them: dark and moody. So, do you <laughs> do you drink that beer warm, like a traditional lager, like if you were in Germany, or? Do you drink it cold? <laughs> well, truth be told, I drink the first one cold, and then they progressively get warmer as they <laughs> set out. Because uh, I usually Fair drink enough. them camping. I hardly ever drink them at home. So um, mm-hmm. they're good both ways. I prefer them cold, but uh, they're definitely good warm as well. All right. Awesome. Well, enough of the beer talk. Uh, let's get into tonight's spooky festivities. Our first call of the evening comes to us from Alex in Chicago. This is uh, Alex from Chicago calling again. Uh, I've called a few times with uh, some pretty minor stories. And I heard your request for college uh, university ghost stories. I'm not sure if you're still doing that, but um, I went to Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. I'm sure you're familiar with it. and we've had quite a few, uh, you know, urban legend ghost stories over the years there. Um, but the years I was there was 2003 to 2007. Um, and the only really creepy thing that I've ever personally experienced happened my senior year. I was, it was the last semester of my senior year, and it was finals week. So I was doing what I had come to know as my best way of prepping for finals, which was creating a very detailed study guide. Um, And by the time I finished the study guide, I would go and print it out, and that would be that. I wouldn't even really use it. It was just, you know, that secondary way of learning, writing it down. But it would end up pulling all-nighters most of the time, as, you know, the case is for most college students. And so I was preparing for, I want to say, like one of my last finals that I was ever going to take in college, and I finished this detailed study guide, and I walk over to our university hall, uh, which uh, has the printers on the third floor, and you kind of enter at the top floor. It's, uh, I think, four stories, uh, interesting way, a super interesting building. that It was actually, um, it belonged to Howard Hughes uh, in the 50s, uh, and before then, and it's a very interesting place on its own. Lots of ghost stories associated with it, and, and like the stories that it's nuclear bomb-proof and earthquake-proof, and there's secret rooms, and and it is a, it's a maze, and it's a very very unique building. But 
So I go into the university hall, which is locked, but our access card gets us in there. And where you come in, like I said, is on the top floor of four stories. And the middle, uh, the part where you walk into above the atrium, you can see each of the descending uh, stories uh, from, from the top of the escalator. And as I'm going down the escalator from the fourth floor to the third floor, I notice that there's a little alarm going off. Um, sounded like a fire door alarm, which, you know, happens, um, but it wasn't setting off the whole security system, which was kind of weird on its own, but kind of shrugged it off, figured maybe some drunk kid fell through a door, was trying to get in through the wrong door, whatever. But as I descend that escalator, I notice in the corner of the third floor, where there was like a couple of chairs and a table or something, um, I noticed that there is a woman there dressed in all white, just sitting motionlessly in the corner, not really looking at me, not kind of just 10,000 miles stare. And I had to walk right past her to get to the, the printer room. Uh, and I did, and she never acknowledged me. And it was just bizarre. And so I printed out the thing for the story to exit. She was gone. And the alarm had stopped. So, I mean, my assumption was that it was a homeless person or, you know, some student that was in her nightgown, that was drunk, you know, or worn out from finals. And, you know, maybe the homeless person got in through the, through the fire door and that's what happened. I don't know. But it legitimately creeped me out. And, you know, it was like 4 or 5 in the morning and I was, nobody else was in that building. It was just creepy. Um, so not exactly a legend, but it was what my experience personally with uh, with the university ghost story. I hope I told that well enough. I um, I always seem to call you when I'm driving. It's about the only free chance I get. So uh, keep up the great work. Uh, I I do I want to offer condolences about your grandfather. I know it's a little late on that, but I have one quick story to tell you about that. I'll have to call back uh, about grandfathers in general that um, you might like. But anyways, take care. Thanks as always. See ya. And thank you, Alex, for that call. Uh, first of all, I want to say thanks for the condolences. I truly appreciate that. Um, now, as for your story, I'm quite familiar with Loyola Marymount. Man, that's a mouthful. Uh, we actually used to go down to the beach uh, there in El Porto in that area, um, so I know that area quite well. Uh, what do you What do you take of this uh, call here, Addy? Well, first of all, I'd like to say, go Blackhawks, Alex, my Chicago friend. I'm shaking and, my head right here. Shaking my head. <laughs> and, uh, well, and this is completely like off subject, but I've taken a ton of professional develop, development credits from the Loyal Marymount, and they offer great uh, courses. But I want to know, Alex, did you high step past that woman in the corner? Because I would have been doing. Some Scooby-Doo walking. Uh, you know, whenever you stumble upon somebody that you don't expect to be there, like you walk around a corner and there's somebody just sitting on the sidewalk or something, it's always startling. And if that person is all white and not moving, that's even scarier. Uh, so thank you very much, Alex, for that call. Now, as we go forward here, I have a lot of calls to go through, so we're going to keep these comments to a minimum. And a few stories we just may not even comment on at all. It just depends on, you know, what we have available here. So, uh... 
bear with us on all this, and we're going to get through all these stories and uh, kind of a fun little episode here. So up next, we have a tale read by Addie from Abby in Arizona. Here's a submission from listener Abby in Arizona. Hello. My name is Abby, and I currently attend Arizona State University. More specifically, I attend the Polytechnic campus just southeast of the main Tempe campus. Poly campus is interesting in that it was built over the former Williams Air Force Base. I highly suggest you read up on the base. It's really fascinating. It was built in 1941, and its purpose was training pilots on multi-engine planes such as the P-38 Lightning and the B-17 Flying Fortress. The base was also host to a small number of Chinese pilots during the war. Due to the nature of military training, there were accidents which turned fatal throughout the base's history. Many reported sightings have come what used to be the base's hospital, which now is the housing for the prep academy. A ghost man is known to be seen walking the halls. While the base was still active, many people reported strange sightings and uneasy feelings throughout the hospital. My grandfather was stationed there, and he worked on the F-4 Phantoms before he was deployed to Vietnam. He's told me while he was at the base, many of the houses and streets were filled with shadow people and that they could be seen at any time of the day, and it spooked him and his fellow airmen. Today, the base housing is still used as dorms for the students of ASU Poly. Speaking to friends who live on campus, I can confirm that the shadow people are still there. Love the podcast, and I look forward to hearing more stories. Thank you, Abby, and thank you to your grandfather for his service. My grandpa is a World War II veteran, and... I really hold a very special place in my heart for those guys. Thank you. Thank you, Abby, for that call. Uh, We're going to move on to the next one, but first I want to say there's probably some really cool stories that your grandfather could talk about uh, with some of those machines that he worked on. So uh, if we ever do like a UFO or a Skunk Works uh, project, or I'm sorry, Skunk Works episode, uh, you should definitely think about calling that in. Thanks again, Abby, for that call. Our next call of the evening comes to us from the college-filled state of Illinois. The following call is from Ethan. Hey, Derek. It's Ethan from Rockford, Illinois again. And uh, I'm submitting this story for your school segment that you're going to be having in September. Uh, So my school that I went to, I went from like fourth grade or third grade, somewhere around in there, I transferred into my church school. And I was in there until high school. And uh, we were all in one big room in the basement of our church. Well, come my senior year, I had been slacking off a little bit. And the way our school worked, we had what's called paces. And they were basically individual books that you had to accomplish. And there's like a hundred of them a grade. And you had to do those in every subject. And so I had fallen behind, and it came to graduate a couple weeks before graduation, and they were like, you can't graduate. You don't have enough done. And I was like, okay, well, I got to figure out a way to fix this. Can I start spending the night at the church in the basement where the school is to get my work done? Because we would score our own books and everything like that. And so they were like, yeah, you could do that. So I... It was a Friday night, and I'm down there, and I'm working, and I start getting tired, and I'm like, well, the next day is Saturday. I can 
do my work tomorrow. So I had my laptop with me, and this is 10 years ago. I was 17 at the time. And so you have the old flip phones, and or not, it wasn't like a flip flip, it was like one of those sidekick type phones. And I had an old laptop. And I was like, all right, I brought some wrestling movies. I'm going to take my headphones out and I'm going to try to go to sleep. Wake up early in the morning, set an alarm on my phone, and uh, get back to my work. So I turn on my, my movie, or I'm about to turn on my wrestling movie, and I hear this bang, 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 bang. And I'm like, oh, man, what was that? And I turn around to one of the windows, and it's some girls from the school. They they found out that I was staying at night overnight at the uh, at church, and so I ran upstairs, let them in. They brought me some cookies, and I ate the cookies, and we talked for a little bit, and they only stayed for about 15 minutes, but one of the girls was like, you know, it's really creepy here. I can't believe that you're staying. I was like, it's the church, you know? I've been going to the same church since I was a little kid. At that point, it was 17 years. And I also worked as an usher, which is kind of like security for the church, so I knew everything, where everything was, I'm there seven days a week at this point. I go to school there, I work there, and I go to church there. So I'm there seven days a week. And I'm like, it's fine. There's nothing. And I was like, well, what do you mean it's creepy? And she's like, well, if you're downstairs at night, they say you're walking upstairs. And I'm like, you're just trying to scare me. Get out of here. So they leave. I go back downstairs. And I'm like, well, I'm awake now. I'm going to continue on my work. So I go back to work on schoolwork and it comes 12:30, and i'm like okay i'm really tired now turn my computer volume down put my headphones in try to go sleep shut my eyes and wouldn't you know it i hear above me which is i'm right underneath the sanctuary creek creek i'm like okay it's just church moving a couple minutes later more creaking then it starts saying that people are walking. I'm like, what? No way. So I'm like, someone's broken in. And as, like I said, security, you know, we're supposed to, if we find somebody in the church, we call the cops and then we call the pastor. And me, like you've heard in my stories before, at this point I was 17, dumb, and more bigger than I am now. And I'm like, okay, I'll go up there, subdue the guy, with rope or something that I can find, and then the cops can come get him. So I go in the kitchen, grab a big flash flashlight, and find some zip ties. And I'm like, make them big enough that they can zip together and hold somebody. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. Because at this point, I was going to be a cop. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do this. This will look great on the resume, yada, yada. So I run. I don't run. I, I, I walk upstairs turn the flashlight on, open the door, and to the left is the sanctuary after you walk out of that door to the left. And in the sanctuary, it is, if the blinds are shut and the doors are shut, it is pitch black in there. There's glass doors, but it is pitch black. The only thing you can see is the exit sign for the fire escape door. So turn on the flashlight, shine the flashlight in there. I don't see anything to begin with, so I go in there Nothing. Looking around. Nothing. I'm like, okay. 
check all the doors, make sure none of the doors are open. So I checked the exit door, locked. I checked the office that was in there, locked. I leave the sanctuary, go around to every door in the church. Like I said, I've been, at this point, I've been there going there 17 years. I clean it. I work there. I'm there seven days a week. I know every spot in this church. Looking all around, nothing. There's nobody. And I'm like, this is weird. So I'm a little spooked, and I go downstairs, and I hear the walking again. And I'm like, okay, I got you now. So I take off as fast as I can, run up there, throw the door open, light, nothing. I turn on all the sanctuary lights, no one. Check all the doors again, everything's locked. Shut off all the lights, go back downstairs. And I'm like, what is going on? Then a verse comes to me. And it says that the Bible says angels camp around about them that believe. I'm like, I wonder if it's just angels walking in the sanctuary. So that was the experience in the school. And I wasn't the only person to experience this. A lot of people, like I said, the girl before had experienced. And then I was talking to some of my friends. Uh, a couple months later, I had graduated, everything. Um, a couple months later, maybe even a year after, and a really godly man had passed away. We were going to have a service on a Sunday night. And they had set it up in the church. This is before I worked for funeral homes or cemeteries or anything. And uh, they'd set up his service, and my friends were downstairs because they were going to play the music, and they were eating some lunch before church started. And all of a sudden, they heard this, like, booming shout because they heard the walking, and then all of a sudden, the booming shout came. And they were like, what is that? And so they ran upstairs, and one of the women came out of the office, and she was like, you know, you guys can't be messing around in there. And they're like, what are you talking about? And she goes, I heard you were shouting. And she goes, and they said, we were downstairs. We weren't shouting. We were in the basement eating food. So um, Bible also says that the angels rejoice when a saint of God comes, goes to heaven. So maybe not necessarily a spooky story that I'm sharing, but, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a light in the darkness that's usually on here you know and a lot of scary stuff that did don't always I'm, i guess i'm sharing this to say don't always chalk up your experiences to evil because there are good forces there are good things there are angels that walk around so all right derek i'm going to be calling back in sometime soon with some more of my cemetery stories and some scarier ones than this um, just thought I'd submit this for the school. So thank you once again. can never say enough about what you do, giving us a format where we don't sound crazy. All right, bye. Thank you, Ethan, for calling in again. I really appreciate your stories. Now, Addie, I'm sure you're going to have some smart aleck remark about a certain sports team that dwells in the city that Ethan's from, or sorry, the state that Ethan's from. Go ahead. Yeah. Ethan, I love the Chicago Blackhawks. Please, please come find us when we actually come and see the Blackhawks play in Chicago. Go Blue Jackets. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, the the old buildings like that have a lot of 
creaks and, and cracks taking place, especially as the winter uh, weather comes in or the summer weather comes in and, you know, it swells the wood and, and shrinks the wood, that kind of deal. I suppose since he spends so much time in the church, he would probably realize if they were just simple cracking sounds that he heard in the floorboards above. I'm sure that would be something he was familiar with. So that definitely lends some credence to this story. Uh, anything else you'd like to add, Addy, before we move on? I appreciate all of Ethan's submissions, and I uh, am thankful you, that you live in Illinois, so I have someone to come see when we go see the Blackhawks. <laughs> you and your Blackhawks. All right, thanks again, Ethan. Our next call comes to us from a repeat offender. The following is Haley's Tale. Hi, Derek. This is Haley. I've called a few times, um, like back in season one and such, but I wanted to tell you about kind of two stories that happened when I was in high school. So a bit of background. I, The high school I went to had a murder occur in in the school and the young girl who was raped and murdered was her body was found in the auditorium like backstage of the theater department and um, there's always been something going on according to my theater teachers well I mean I was a believer so I was inclined to believe what I heard and saw was real, but, you know, you can never be 100% sure. So, I was working on a set for a play, and I was the only one in the auditorium. It was during class time, so other, other kids were working in other parts of our whole theater area. And I was the only one in the auditorium. Uh, every, all the lights were off except for the stage lights. Um, and I start to hear this knocking sound. And it's coming from our back prop wall area, which has uh, like a wooden walkway and lots of doors and you know, props. So when I heard this knocking at first, I thought it was our uh, just the back wall being hit with basketballs because the back of our stage and uh, shared a wall with the gym. So I thought it was just basketballs. And then it kept, the knocking kept happening and it wasn't rhythmic like basketballs. It was actually quite sharp. It wasn't like a dull thud that I'm used to with the basketballs hitting the wall. Um, so I just kept kind of ignoring it. And then it I started to hear like this running noise and um, that started to freak me out a little bit. And at the time I was um, a Christian, so I started praying <clears throat> and um, it didn't really help because uh, there was suddenly a huge crash. And I bolted out of the theater and ran past my teacher's office. And she thought she saw an apparition because I was in um, stagehand blacks. And uh, she took one look at my face and she said, you had something to do with Cheryl Lee, didn't you? And that was the name of the girl who was murdered. Um, another related um, tiny issue was 
<clears throat> one of the first few days we got to the school, uh, this was freshman year of high school, I we were taken up to the catwalks, and it was really fun, you know, get to see a piece of the school that nobody ever really gets to see. And we went into this room where you could only walk on uh, planks of wood, um, and the rest was insulation. So we were exploring being high schoolers, and as we start to come back up, I look over to my right, and there are lights throughout this small room, but there's just like this blackness to my right, and it's like no light is reaching it. And so me being me, I'm curious, and I start to walk down the plank that leads to that darkness. And about halfway through, I just, I felt sick. I felt queasy. I wasn't thinking it was anything paranormal at the time either. I was just like, oh, that's weird. I want to see what this is. And, like, I, I just felt this sense of primal fear. And so I turned around on my heel and walked straight back uh, to the, the line that was forming where some of my friends, saw, I guess, the look on my face. I told them what I experienced, and then the last thing I saw before I left the room was them walking down that plank. Now, in order for us to leave the catwalk area, we have to go single file down a old iron spiral staircase. And so we were lining up, and I saw, I got in the back of the line because I'm that type of person and I saw my two friends exit the small room and they just kind of shambled in with the line and I was looking at one of them and Carl he was there was something wrong uh he started to just kind of sway a little bit back and forth and I looked away and suddenly Carl just dropped to the ground. Um, he just collapsed. And so, of course, everybody's freaking out. The teacher runs over. His eyes are rolled to the back of his head like he's out. And then suddenly, like that, he wakes up and he runs down the staircase and he throws up at the, at the trash can that's, like, right outside the theater um, backstage entrance. We were all shocked. We were terrified. We haven't, at that time, hadn't even been told the story of Cheryl Lee. Um, so, yeah, that uh, was weird. I tried to ask him what happened, and he just didn't want to talk about it. So it was uh, it was pretty crazy. And uh, I think that's really the only stuff I experienced there but it's still kind of creepy. I'd love to know what you think. Uh, thanks for the show. Thank you, Haley, for that call. Uh, that reminds me of a very gruesome story, but uh, before I do that, I'm going to kick it over to Addie to see if she has anything to add to this. Haley, thank you so much for all of your submissions. I can't imagine the brevity a rape and murder causes in a school staff. I, I can only imagine that your staff and your student body were amazing at the time to pick up and move on. Thanks yeah. for sharing. That's terrible. 
the story that it reminds me of is is equally as terrible. Um, Penn State University in uh, State College, Pennsylvania, had a, a murder of a young woman in their library back in 1969. Apparently she was researching books or something. She was standing in a book hallway, and, and a man walked up from behind her, stabbed her once, and walked away, and, and she died there in the library. So from this day on, people report seeing her roaming around the library and moving books and, and shelves and stuff like that. So uh, I wish I had more details on that. That's all from memory, but uh, it's, it's a, there's a correlation there for sure. But, yeah, that's, that's awful stuff. But thank you for sharing the call despite um, the, the terrible subject matter. But, uh, you know, these stories usually originate from some sort of trauma or tragedy. So uh, this call is no different. Anyway, moving on to hopefully something a little lighter. The following is Chris's call from the state of Utah. Here's a written submission from listener Chris. Hey there. In some recent episodes, I heard you guys were looking for some stories about haunted schools and such. So I figured I'd shoot a message about Clement Hall at the University of Tennessee at Martin, better known as UT Martin. Here's a story that I remember from when I went there in the mid-2000s. Clement Hall is a dorm at the UT Martin campus, and legend has it a girl killed herself on the fourth floor. So there were always stories of students and staff hearing and seeing strange things on that floor. Some friends and I went up there one night because we knew some other students who lived in the dorm, but we actually never heard or saw anything. I've included a few articles about Clement Hall, which one also debunks the dead girl theory but I'm sure that never stops the stories from continuing. Anyways, I just wanted to say I recently found the podcast and I've been going through all the old episodes and I really like the format and the stories that you guys find. Keep up the awesome work, Chris. Hey Chris, thank you so much for sharing that. And Chris, I'm going to actually share the things that you shared with us on the Facebook page. I appreciate it. So yeah, have a look for those. Um, When do you think those will be posted there, Addie? Uh, by Friday. By Friday? Perfect. Perfect. Um, thank you very much, Chris, for that call. And it does remind me that, uh, you know, a lot of the legends and, and ghost stories that come out of not only schools, but, you know, most haunted places, uh, they're, they're somewhat rooted in fact. But a lot of times these stories snowball from, you know, over the centuries or the decades. And um, a lot of them have been proven to be untrue that, you know, so-and-so never even attended school here or something like that. But I feel like you get a lot of kids together, and especially with schools, you get a lot of kids together, they like to tell stories, and it just keeps the legend alive. And, you know, quite honest, I'm completely fine with that. I think that's a lot of fun. So it's funny that you said that, Derek, because that's very, that's a perfect segue for my call. I don't know if you got it or not, but my uh, high school that I graduated from has a, a legend or a ghost, and it is exactly just that. She has never been verified. School records do not show a person of that name in that time period. So, well, why don't we go ahead and play that call now, so we can uh, we can discuss this a little further, ladies and gentlemen. Addie's call. Hey, Derek. It's Crypto Den Mom here, also known as Addie from the Monsters Among Us Facebook page. As you know, I recently did a call out for stories and legends of your alma mater, and it never occurred to me to share my story. So here goes. I live in a state called Wyoming, and in that state there is a town that is the largest city in Wyoming, which 
is not very large. And within that city, there is a beautiful high school that has beautiful architecture and, in fact, uh, resembles a Turkish prison, or at least that's what us naughty kids referred to it back in the day. So, anyways... Within this high school, there is an amazing theater program, and this is where that ghost story resides. It was about 1930, a young actress actress named Abigail had left her bag in the theater after practice, and of course it was late, and there was no one to let her in when she realized that that she had left her bag so she could complete her homework. So Abigail did what any studious student would do and broke in through the theater window, which is very high off the ground, and she fell. She fell to her death within the theater and broke her neck. And the way you know Abigail is there is In the front row, in the third seat, it is depressed during performances and practices, and there has been nothing mechanically wrong with the seat that anyone can confirm, and Abigail will forever haunt the hallways of that theater. Now, the story of Abigail has never been able to be verified with school records or law enforcement, and so it's probably just a legend and a cautionary tale to remember to bring your things home with you so you do not end up like Abigail. You know, I've never been to a Turkish prison, but I can tell you I have been to high school, and I do see the correlation there. (laughs) Thanks, Addie, for submitting that call. I I gotta ask you before we get into this, why did you refer to yourself as Crypto Den Mom? Well, one of the Facebook group members, they know I'm a little territorial of Monsters Among Us, and I get a little grumpy when people post spam or things that are completely inappropriate, and so some, a listener, so please, please tell me who you are because I feel completely guilty, but uh, coined the term, oh, you're the crypto den mom. (laughs) And um, with that said, I'm going to talk about something that I didn't tell you I was going to talk about. So I'm going to ask for forgiveness after I stop talking. Uh So you and I talk pretty regularly about Monsters Among Us. And I see the messages. I see the reviews. And the people that say you talk like William Shatner, you don't talk like William Shatner. But I will tell you. You talk like you talk on the podcast. So all you haters can just shut up because Crypto Den Mom said so. Well, (laughs) I could make people feel really bad and mention that I was in speech classes as a child. So (laughs) uh, (laughs) not even lying. It really was. Um, So, you know, I I, thank you for that. Um, It it is frustrating when people uh, comment on that because it's the way I talk. I try to enunciate when I read, but outside of that, this is pretty much me. So there I am talking like William Shatner with Casey Kasem's little brother, something like that. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> thank you for, for the defense. And that certainly helps you live up to your crypto den mom moniker. Don't mess with crypto den mom. <laughs> we got to get you a t-shirt. 
or a fan, oh, I do. fan club t-shirt. Hey, Rob Morphy, if you're listening, will you design a crypto a crypto dead mom t-shirt? Just just a beast in a cave and a couple school books and an apple. The keyboard. Yeah. I could see it now. Come on, Rob, get on it. Speaking of Speaking Rob. Speaking of Rob. We got to we oh. got to I'll let you do it. I'll let you do it. Hey, I have to tell you guys about my second favorite <laughs> podcast. And I really owe those guys an apology because I give them a ration of heck during on Mondays when we'll see I'm I'm lame and I go to bed early so I don't listen to the podcast on Sunday but when the Kryptonaut podcast is released on Sunday night Monday morning I live tweet the whole episode and I think I'm hysterical but I give those guys a ration of heck and they're great guys and if you have not listened to Kryptonaut podcast you really should I will tell you, sentence enhancers abound. And if you haven't figured out what, when I refer to sentence enhancers, I mean cuss words. But Kryptonaut Podcast, you should check them out for sure. I completely agree. I, You know, Mark, Chris, and, and Rob are excellent guys that I've been following since uh, my first, you know, first dive into uh, podcasting. In fact, they were the first people I reached out to. They ran uh, American Monsters at the time. And um, just me, some idiot with one episode, it's like, hey, will you like mention my show on the air? And they they were totally cool about it. And uh, you know, they they posted banners and stuff on their website, and and they really helped me out. So uh, do those guys a favor and go check them out today. But be warned, there is a lot of cussing taking place in that show. But it's hysterical. It's pretty funny. It's a lot funnier than my show. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Anyhow, let's get to what might be my favorite call of this episode. The following is John's call via the state of Minnesota. Hi, Derek. My name is John. I'm a physician. Uh, Right now I live in Minnesota. My story is about when I was working in Chicago as a resident physician. It was 1975. I was a second year resident and we were making rounds on the hematology service. Once a week, we had a visiting attending physician come in and make rounds with us. This man was a pure scientist. He was very objective. He would talk about the patient's illness in technical terms, devoted to his study of their uh, blood disease. Uh, as I say, he was a very straight guy. He never talked about anything personal. But one day, uh, after we had rounded on the patients, we sat down in the back room where we usually discussed uh, their diseases. And he said, guys, I just have to tell you something here. And I want you to listen. He said, Yesterday, now this was a Monday, so he was talking about uh, Sunday, the day before. He said, I was driving on the Stevenson Expressway to Joliet. And and the Stevenson, for those who don't know, is is a very wide expressway. It has several lanes uh, on each side, and it was separated then by a a strip uh, separating the uh, south going from the north going. cars and he said I was driving on the Stevenson it was a bright sunny day and I noticed a shadow 
cast over my car. And as I drove, the shadow remained, but it was a sunny day and I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I pulled my car to the side and there hovering above my car, actually spinning, was a sphere about the length of my car. And it was just several feet above my car. It was the most fantastic thing I'd ever seen. I had the presence of mind to reach into my back seat to get a camera, but before I could get the camera ready, the thing zoomed straight up at amazing speed. And Professor Heineck at Northwestern University uh, received a report of this from, from our attending. And he also received reports from people going the opposite direction that also saw this thing above my attending physician's car. And because of these independent sightings, he called it a, a uh, very important case. Uh, my attending made the mistake of reporting this on television. And he was so harassed by crazy people calling him day and night that he actually finally had to move out of the area and um, uh, but but this this report from this man made me truly believe that UFOs exist I was a skeptic until then and I haven't been a skeptic since just thought I'd let you know that UFOs are definitely real for anyone listening to your show that doesn't believe that <laughs> okay bye bye so Derek you said this was your favorite submission or one of your favorite submissions and it's because it has to do with an alien and you know how I feel about greys in general so I think it's interesting that the gentleman that witnessed all this ended up having to leave where he knew because people would not leave him alone well, the reason it's my favorite, or one of my favorites, I guess you should say, can't pick favorite children, um, but uh, it was just, it broke up the monotony of, of all the ghost calls, basically. Um, I never thought in a million years I'd get a UFO-style call for the show, so I was pretty excited about it. Uh, but the fact that he was, you know, forced to leave town, that is uh, that is really interesting and, and uh, somewhat terrifying, actually, if you think about it. Uh, but anyway, thank you, John, for uh, submitting that call. Okay, our next call of the evening comes to us from Spencer in the state of North Carolina. Hi, my name is Spencer. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm currently a student at uh, William Peace University, and that's where my, my stories that I have come from. I have a couple stories of my own that are personal and a few others that have happened in the same location. Um... I'm a theater student, and one of the theaters on my campus, the main one that we use is a very small black box type space, and the, there's a, a spirit that lives in that theater. Whenever you're there, you can sense some kind of energy. He's not, it's not a malevolent spirit. It's not, there's no feeling that you're going to be hurt. It's very much a benevolent spirit, and the, the students and faculty have actually started uh, naming him, we call him Howie. And whenever we go in there, 
uh, usually will say, hi, Howie, just let him know that we're there. So I, I've had two run-ins with Howie. One, I was working on a show, and we finished finished a run, and we were trying to modify some lighting stuff, and there was a big screen in the center of the, the stage, and so I went behind that to help focus the light because there was, you're trying to get shadows on the other side coming through the screen. So I was standing facing the back wall, and there were two doorways that go to this, this uh, walk space behind the stage that's usually where we store lumber and stuff like that. So I'm standing, and I'm looking at the door, the opening to the left-hand side, and I can see this red light from the, the hallway in the back. There's an exit sign, emergency exit, red sign, so the red light kind of glows through the wall. I was looking at that light because that's the only thing I can really see. And as I'm, I'm watching that light, all of a sudden just a black shadow engulfs that light. And it's not like the light just went out with a snap. It literally, you can see the, the shadow just slowly come over and, and cover the light. And I stood there for probably about 15 seconds and I watched it. And I just got this, this sinking feeling in my stomach. Like, I'm, I'm being watched. And... I didn't feel like I was going to be hurt, but it was still still creepy. So I walked out from behind the screen, and I looked at, at my wife, who was helping adjust the lights, and I said, I'm not going back there. She's like, what's that? And I told her my story. I was like, I saw Howie. I know he's not going to hurt me, but it, it's still it's, it's pretty creepy to have him just be staring at me. That was my first run-in with Howie. My second one is that uh, I was going to have a, uh, a gathering with some friends of mine, so we were meeting up in this theater, and... I did what I normally do. I went in there, I turned the lights on, and I said, hi, Howie, and nothing happened, and I reached over, grabbed my the shoulder of my bag, and pulled it all the way over my head, and when I went to take it completely off my arm, the lights went off, stayed off for about a second and a half, and came back on. I was the only one in there. There was nobody in the light booth. There was nobody near the light switch, and I looked around, and I went, okay, Howie, message received, and I, I walked right back out, and I waited until there were more friends of mine, and my, our gathering, it went... They went how we expected it to go, and but it was a little bit creepy because we were like, we know he's here, and we know he's he's watching. So it's a uh, like I said, it's not it's not that we ever feel like we're in danger, but we just feel that there's something there, and when you can't see what's there, it's it's creepy. So as I said, those are my two stories with Howie, but I have a couple that have been told. Uh, over the years that are, we have a lot of detail for, so I figured that I would share those as I was sharing mine. So the first one is a friend of mine that I went to school with that just graduated last year. Um, I won't name her name. I don't know if she would want me to say it, but she uh, ran this student-run organization that did uh, showcases and stuff. So she went in there to help uh, set up the lights for a show that they were working on. And um, when she went in there, same kind of thing, went in, turned the, didn't turn the lights on, she was going up to the light booth, so she walked all the way across the, the stage, took a right, and walked up towards the light booth. And she said as she was walking up towards the light booth, she just saw a shadow in the center row stand up and turn. And so she ran all the way to the light booth, flipped the lights on, and there was nobody standing there. And she she swears that she saw the shadow, turned and looked at it, 
and ran and turned the lights on. Nobody was there. The other two stories I have are more are faculty. So I know people will say that, you know, it's, it's college students, they're going to make up stories. So one of the faculty, was she was a, a costumer for our shows. And she, we finished up a show, and she was staying after collecting all the costumes and stuff. And so she was standing in the main theater, and she looked down the hallway, and there was a man standing there in a military uniform. It was a, it was a Civil War uniform. And she went, hey, the show's over. You need to get out of costume. And she saw the person look at her, walk back down the hallway, and then she went back to doing her things and went, wait, we weren't doing a show that involved the Civil War costume. Ran back to the hallway. Nobody was there. Ran all around the backstage never found anybody, but saw a figure solid as day dressed in a Civil War soldier's uh, uniform. Uh, the last story I have is another faculty member, and it's the only time that we've heard of anybody being hurt. And how he picks up on the energy of whatever show we're doing, so if we do a more darker show, he doesn't really like it. He doesn't like when there's there's death and suicide and, and rape and stuff that happens in a, a show when it's more of a dark subject matter. So he's usually more active in those shows. And um, they they were working on uh, Godspell. And so the woman who was the technical director was up on a ladder adjusting lights. This woman had been a technical director for 10, 15 years. So she, she knew her way around tools. She knew her way around ladders. She was up on the ladder adjusting a light, and all of a sudden just felt a push and, and fell off this ladder. And uh, she, luckily she didn't get hurt too badly. She fell on the stage. She got a bruise. But she was talking to other students afterwards, and they said, we heard that you fell. And she said, no, I, I didn't fall. I was pushed. And I think she, she said the same thing. I, I know my way around a ladder. I know how to properly stand on a ladder to make sure that I don't fall. And I, I didn't fall. So that's the only story that we've ever heard of, of someone being touched or pushed or anything. So I, I want to share it because it's not, again, like I said, the ghost that's there is not malevolent. He's not uh, mean. It's He's very friendly, and we actually enjoy his presence most of the time. I, I with a couple of my friends, we really want to do an EVP session, so I think we're very close to doing that. And if, I, if we do and I get anything, I will gladly call back. But uh, we've actually done some research of it, and the, the school that I go to is called William Peace University. I don't know, remember if I said that. And uh, William Peace University was has been around for a really long time, and that the main building where the it's literally called Main, the where the theater is that I'm telling these stories from was used as a Civil War hospital. So there's not a whole lot of of connections that need to be made that we can kind of inferred that the space that the theater is in now may have been used to to house dying soldiers or dead soldiers. So that there's there is easily a connection that this this spirit is a dead soldier. I don't know where the name Howie came from. I I, I have not figured that out. I've been trying to figure that out the the past two years that I've been there, I've there for one more and I, I I don't know where we started calling him that from. There's no real evidence for that, but it, it's easy to infer that, that that building was was used to house soldiers that were either dead or dying, and and some 
on because of that trauma. So I, I think it's really unique. It's a cool thing to see in an old historical building. Like I said, nobody ever feels threatened or or in danger while we're there. So uh, thank you for sharing, letting me share my story. Uh, I hope you can use it. And if I get any more information, I'll gladly call back. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Spencer, for calling in. And i got to say, there's a strange correlation between your story and a story from my alma mater, which is, uh, I think this is the first time I've said this on the air, Bowling Green State University in northwest Ohio. So basically, there are two theaters at school there. One of them is the Lillian Gish Theater, named after the actress. And I think the other one's the Ava Marie Saint Theater, named after that actress. Uh, I may have those theater names wrong. Joe E. Brown Theater sounds familiar, too. It's, it's been a while, guys. Uh, but anyway, uh, the stage there, there was several superstitions about a theater ghost named Alice. And they have no idea where the name came from. It just kind of stuck one day. Uh, but one of the main traditions there was there always has to be a light on in the theater somewhere. Um, typically, it was on the stage. And I always thought it was for safety, so no one walks off the edge of the stage. But uh, according to a lot of the theater folk there, it was uh, more superstition than anything. Um, so uh, I thought that was kind of a pretty cool correlation there. Addie, do you have anything you would like to uh, mention about this one? Well, you recently did the town hall at CryptidCon. Yes. And I was very disappointed in my life choices that I'm a teacher and I was not able to go because that's the beginning of the school year. However, I remember there were quite a few theater um, conversations from the town hall participants and I think because of the emotion that people pour into being on stage it's I know I'm a big ghost person and you're more of a cryptid person but um that emotion that residual energy is something truly I think that's to be reckoned with I I completely agree with you and I actually did touch on uh, on that briefly on that talk you're mentioning uh, by the way, thank you to everyone that showed up to that. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough. Um, but uh, the other the other thing that I thought about that is not only the performers, but the audience themselves. I mean, just imagine yourself watching a TV show. Like, you're watching Breaking Bad. Imagine the the emotions that run through your body while you're watching that show. Now multiply that to uh, 100 or 200, however many seats there are in that theater by how many nights. It's a lot of emotion going through that building. And if um, there's any fact to any of this... I can definitely see where that energy would be coming from. So I completely agree with you on that, Addy. So, Addy, do you want to introduce this next caller? I know he's a huge contributor on the Facebook page. You know I do. I am very, very excited that Shelly from the Facebook page gave us a mission. And Shelly, I love everything that you share with us. And all of your calls have been extremely heartfelt and amazing and I'm going to ask you to keep up the work but I need to ask you a huge favor Shelly a while ago you posted about a friend's house that you had a reaction to and we want to know the Facebook group page wants to know what is going on with that and if you are so inclined we would love it if you would refresh the memory of the Facebook group this is Shelley's submission from Washington. Hey Derek, sorry for the lateness of this, but I want to give you something for the two schools I attended, even if it doesn't make the show. I attended the historically black college Tuskegee University from the summer of 1987 to 1989, 
At eight grand a semester, and a bit of the old corrupt administration, I realized that I could no longer afford higher education at a private school, and transferred to one that was state-funded, Auburn University. Now, I don't have any personal stories, but I have a list of places that have been and got that creepy feeling. Tuskegee Institute, Alabama. I think I saw a ghost while driving on East Lakeshore Drive one evening. It was a figure of a lady with a long yellow gown at the edge of the lake. At first, I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me, but when I drove past her, I could still see her in the rearview mirror. She was looking at me still. A couple of seconds later, she disappeared. I wasn't feeling scared or frightened. It felt like she was making sure I was okay. It sounds weird, but that's exactly how I felt then. The lady I saw had long black hair, and she looked to be in her 50s. Does anyone have any info on this lady, or know of any history in the area? I would greatly appreciate it if you would share. Not a Solga National Forest. The area is said to be haunted and cursed by devil worshippers who first used the area in the 1990s. Located six to nine miles away from Tuskegee, depending on who you ask for directions, there is an old house where you can hear crying sounds, but when you go to see where it's coming from, it stops. The National Forest is between the two schools, and since Tuskegee was such a small town, we had to drive through the Natasalga National Forest to go to the mall or to the movies, etc. We all hated driving back to Tuskegee at night. Eerie feelings and dread as we watched the shadows in the distance from passenger car windows. University Chapel, Auburn University. Originally haunted by a ghost dubbed Sidney, the spirit of a Confederate soldier who died there. Sidney reportedly manifested in the 1920s when an acting troupe took over the chapel and he began bedeviling them. Overactive theater students' imaginations or evidence of an actual haunting, who knows, but reportedly Sidney followed the acting troupe to their new digs on campus. So either he's really committed to them or they need to be committed. Thank you, Shelley, for that submission. Please keep them coming. And yet, I agree with Addie. you got to tell us about that house you were talking about. Um, I know Shelley and I had a, a back-and-forth email about some uh, information on that, so very anxious to hear what you've discovered. Thanks again, Shelley, for submitting that tale. Up next, we hear from yet another repeat offender. The following is Isaac's call from the state of Florida. Hello, Derek. This is Isaac from Central Florida calling again. Um, I got another ghost story from the haunted school that I worked at. Um, this is the 2008-2009 time frame. Um, this school, you know, I guess you know everyone in the community knows that this school is haunted, and I mean there would be people that would actually spend the night in the gym that used to be there. Uh, the gym was very, very old. It's recently been torn down, and the brand-new gyms were built in this place. And I don't know if there's still any stories coming out of this new gym, but I know that, you know, I was... Sometimes I would be one of the only people that would go down there at night to clean it because, you know, I, w I really wasn't too unnerved by the kind of things that you would hear down there. Um, door slamming, voices calling out from the hallways... Um, you know, people, you know, coming up and down the hallways, footsteps, things like that. Um, this definitely had a reputation. Well, part of the, parts of the school were new and remodeled. Other parts of the school were older. And this story happens in one of the newer remodeled areas. Um, there's three two-story buildings that sit one behind each other um, in an east-west orientation. Um, these buildings are number six, number eight, and number ten. My building was number eight. 
I was right in the middle. And a friend of mine named Marty, uh, he was in his early 70s at the time, I believe. Uh, he was an older, older man. Well, he was in Building 6, sitting right in front of mine. And um, we, would, we got off at 11 o'clock. So around 10.45, somewhere in there, I would normally walk over to Marty's building and, you know, shoot the breeze for a minute before we would um, leave for the night. And um, on the second floor, there was, you know, like a catwalk or a, or a bridge, whatever you want to call it, you know, it connected at the top. And you could walk across from building um, six to building eight. And um, one night I was upstairs walking across over to Marty's building. And there's glass doors at the entrance. And, you know, with the bars, the kind of doors that bar. And um, the lock on this particular door was tricky and it would get stuck on you. And so I'm walking up to the room and I see Marty walk across the hallway, take the keys off of his belt loop, open a classroom door and go inside. So I walk up and I'm going to get his attention. So I go to get into the door and my key sticks and I can't get in. So I'm shaking the doors. And, you know, it makes a pretty loud sound, you know, glass doors being shook. And I'm trying to get his attention, and he never comes out of the room. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, you know the old man can't hear me. So I go down the stairs and around the front of the building. And as I walk around to the front of the building, um, in our cafeteria, there's big metal doors that roll down. When you hit the switch, they bring them down. And there's a loud alarm that goes off when that happens. And Marty's normally the one who always brings those doors down in the evening. So as, I, as I'm outside walking toward the cafeteria, I hear those doors coming down. You know, I can hear the alarm. And, uh, you know, it didn't make sense because, you know, Marty's not the quickest person in the world. And I know that he didn't come down his front stairs and go all the way to the cafeteria before I could. And it didn't make sense that he would beat me there. But I go into the cafeteria break room, and there he is. You know, it was him. And um, you know, it was weird, but, you know, I'm not thinking it's anything paranormal at this point. So, anyway, like two weeks later, the exact same scenario plays out. But it's on the bottom floor this time. And I'm walking over to Marty's building, and I watch him walk across the hallway, take the keys off his belt loop, open the classroom door, and go inside. Same exact thing. And, um, this, you know, the bottom doors work fine. So I walk into the building. I go to the classroom he went into. The lights are off. I open the door and walk inside, turn on the lights. Marty's nowhere to be found. So I walk across the building to the teacher's lounge to use the restroom there. I walk into that room, and there's Marty sitting at the table. He was just sitting in the dark waiting for the end of the night to come. And, um, you know, I'm like, dude, didn't you just go into that classroom over there? And he's like, no, he's been sitting in that teacher's lounge for the last, you know, how many minutes? And it wasn't him. You know, I, I, I told him the entire story about what I'd seen, you know, and he got a laugh out of it, you know, because, you know, and most people don't take that kind of thing seriously. But um, that's what I experienced that night. And um, like I said, there's more stories to come. So thank you for uh, your awesome show. I appreciate it, and uh, have a good one. Thank you, Isaac, for submitting. And thank you for submitting all the stories that you take the time to do. 
Uh, he's got some crazy ones that I haven't even played yet. Uh, so thank you for that. Addie, what are your thoughts on, on this particular call? Isaac, I'm amazed at all of the different experiences you have had, and I appreciate everything you contribute to the Facebook page, so please keep it up. Our next submission is of the written variety, but Addie's going to take the reading liberties on this one. Uh, So the following is Brian's story from Idaho. Thanks for letting me read some of these submissions. This is a lot of fun. So this is a submission from someone named Brian, and I think I know who this is. If it is Brian that I think I know, hey, you're doing a great job on submitting to the Facebook page. I love all the creepy stuff you find us. So here it goes. Hi, Derek. My name is Brian. I don't have a sighting that you can call mine, but where I live, there's a pretty big high school that's claimed to be haunted. It's Pocatello High School. There are things that happen, like the lights flickering on and off, which are caught on the security cameras, and they've caught something that looks like a figure or mist moving through the hallways. Anyway, I've seen some of these on YouTube, and it's listed as the top 10 haunted high schools. Keep up the good work. Love your level-headed approach. Thanks for submitting, Brian. Thanks, Brian, for that story. So, Addie, you're a teacher, which is half the reason why you're here tonight. Uh, I want your input on uh, on security cams in schools. I know you had a recent experience with something strange happening at the school you teach at that was caught on security cam footage. You're right. So I love, as a teacher, not as a teenager, I love <laughs> having security cameras throughout our building because it is a great way to say, hey, that didn't happen, or mm-hmm. hey, that did happen. And recently, um, one of the schools I taught at last year, it was given to me by a really amazing friend that happened to pass away in a freak accident just uh, this summer. Caught The security camera caught something, and it was broad daylight, but a helmet of a student who needed to wear a helmet for various reasons literally picked up off the shelf and went into the middle of the hallway. There was no child in the hallway. There was no adult in the hallway. It was a freak thing. There was no time lapse. And that was early on in my career with Monsters Among Us. And I shared it with Derek immediately. And I know you had some thoughts on it, Derek. Yeah, I, from what I could see, I didn't see any trickery. Um, you know, a lot of times you could see like the glimmer of fishing line or something like that if it, if it was some sort of trickery. But you didn't see any of that in the video. And the trajectory that the helmet took, you know, it's been a while since I've seen the video, but I recall that it it was uh, more of an upward motion rather than downward. And the direction that it flew, it really doesn't make sense that gravity would cause that. Uh, There had to have been some force that sent that helmet flying. And it looked like there was some weight to the helmet as well, so it wasn't like a breeze or anything like that that was going to move it. Is there any way we can repost that that clip somewhere, Addie? Absolutely, I can. I can find it and repost it again on the Facebook page. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Look for that uh, probably Friday or Saturday. Hopefully you can get it up by then. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks again, Brian, for taking the time to share that story. Our next call comes to us from the state of New York. This one is Allison's call. Hi, Derek. My name is Allison, and I'm calling from western New York. Um, And this story is... Um, about my junior year of college and about a house that me and my roommate lived in. Um, I've kind of had kind of spooky experiences my whole life, especially in my childhood home. 
Um, but it was just kind of interesting to me that it followed me even into college. Um, so it's my junior year of college. Um, I had transferred to a state college, and me and a girl that I met my first semester there decided to get an apartment together. And so we're looking and we're looking and we're looking, and we finally find this house. It's a whole house, three-bedroom house, um, that the couple next door owns. They're an elderly couple. They're super sweet. Um, and they did our, like, little interview thing, see if uh, we were good tenants to live in the house. And she was like, yeah, like, we don't let just anyone live here. Like, you girls are totally fine to live here, even though it's three bedrooms. Like, the two of you are fine. So I move in before um, my roommate Jackie moved in just by myself because she was working and she was away and stuff like that. So I move in and I'm by myself in this house and I kind of get a vibe, you know, I know some people don't believe in that stuff. Like the whole, like, Oh, I can tell when a place is haunted, but I can, I could definitely kind of feel a, a spirit. And the house was actually furnished by, um, Oliver, who was the man who lived there before, um, Cindy bought the house and she used the furniture that was there to furnish it. Kind of weird, but it is what it is. And she also was an antique collector as well. And our attic was actually filled with all of the antiques that she collected. Not sure if that played into it. But I'm in there for maybe about a week before Jackie moves in, and I come home one day from the grocery store, and all the cupboards are open. And it's a super old house. It's still got all the original, like, fixtures on the, like, on the cabinets and stuff, and they're the type that you have to press down and then open. And then it's all the cupboards, though. It's all the cupboards in the entertainment center, in the living room. It's all the cupboards in the cabinets, in the, in the dining room, and in the kitchen. Everything's open. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, whatever, um, nosy neighbor or ghost, whatever, fine. And so a month later goes by, Jackie moves in, and um, we go to a wedding on Saturday morning. Leave the house, everything's fine. We come back six, seven hours later, and all of the cupboards are open again. Now, Jackie didn't believe me that this happened. She was like, oh, my God, like, you weren't joking. But she was a bartender at one of the local bars, and she had to go to work. So she goes to work, like, I'm a little spooked, like, whatever. Um, and as she leaves her work, um, she leaves, and then my lights flicker. I'm like, okay, whatever, old house. And then I, uh, I go to go onto my computer so I can, like, watch something because it's the end of the day. It's Saturday. And the Internet's not working. So I go to restart my router, and we have an antique piano downstairs that starts playing. I left that house so quick. I sat at the bar with Jackie until she was done with her shift in my pajamas. I didn't even care. I was not going back to that house alone. I can handle cabinets and cupboards and noises and footsteps, but I can not handle pianos playing. Um, well, that's my story. Um, I have a few others I might call in because um, I did have a pretty extended haunting when I was a child. And, yeah, I really love the podcast. I've listened through all of them over the past couple of weeks, and it's been a delight. Can't wait for more. Thanks. Thank you, Allison, for sharing that call. I can tell you, as someone that went to school for almost five and a half years, I lived in a lot of off-campus housing. And some of these houses were, you know, about 80 to 90 years old, and there'd been tons and tons of people living in these houses. So the energy you could feel in these places and the dirt that you could find on the floor, both were terrifying. So, so Addie, what do you, uh, 
What do you take away from this one? Well, Allison, antique piano is terrifying for many reasons. But I completely uh, sympathize with you having to leave and go sit with your friend, even if you were in your PJs. I think it's very interesting that the attic was full of antiques and that you would find cupboards open. Now, I spend a lot of time watching things I shouldn't late at night, and that has a lot of reminiscent things of haunting all over it. So I don't think it was a nosy neighbor at all. You mentioned something that reminded me of a story that that, uh, happened to me when I was a kid, or it didn't really happen to me. I caused it. I would visit my grandparents, and they lived in this long house, two levels and my grandpa would stay in the far end of the house in the basement and my grandma would stay in the living room in the far end um, on the upstairs level so I had to go down down the steps and through a darkened part of the house that was like the work area uh, where they did laundry and the canned vegetables and stuff like that and it was always dark it was always kind of musty and, and spooky and uh, well one day when I was probably eight or nine years old I had to go from the basement where my grandpa basically lived uh, back upstairs to where my grandmother was, and I was so terrified to walk through that hallway in those in those stairways that I went out the door and walked all the way up around and, and came back inside in the middle of the night. It was probably 10 o'clock at night, and uh, I remember my dad lecturing me. He's like, you know, there's nothing in the house that's going to hurt you, but there's probably something outside that will. So it, it, that kind of <laughs> it still sticks with me to this day, and, and Dad, I know you're listening you know that le- that life lesson at least sticks with me. I don't know if he remembers that story or not, but uh, something you said triggered that memory of mine. So, anyway, uh, thanks again, Allison, for submitting that story. So this next submission is by a regular contributor to the Facebook page, I think, anyways, and I I certainly hope so. And if not, please come join our Facebook page. But this is from Luigi in the Philippines. Here is a written submission from Luigi, and if this is the Luigi that I get to interact with on the Facebook page, hello. If not, come on over. We have a lot of fun. Hey, Derek. I'm heeding your call for Campus Ghost Stories or Legends. I know my first submission was already about that, but I do have some more. For a refresher, my college is on a former Spanish colonial walled city in the Philippines. I'm going to tell you some of the ghostly rumors and anecdotes I've heard while staying there. According to stories from security guards, sometimes late at night when all students are gone and the only people that should be there are the maintenance people, one can encounter a figure of a girl in a graduation gown walking the main hall near the registry. The girl will either acknowledge you with a small bow of her head or a small smile, and once you pass her, she'll disappear. It's said that it's a spirit of a girl who was so close to graduation but died before the commencement exercises. The security guards will often see her wandering about and do them seeing and due to them seeing her so many times, they just make it a point to not even make a big deal about it. Another story is that on the second wing floor, it's said that sometimes late at night, while classes are still going on, the disembodied voices and sounds of crying babies or children can be heard on the most northern end of that floor. Some that I've talked to chalk it up to nasty rumors but I'm more inclined to say it's remnants of the war. The third story is about the chemistry washrooms on the fourth floor of the North Wing. One day, a student went inside to the empty washroom as he was going to do his business. There, an empty stall was half open, 
and he planned to enter, but he decided to wash his hands first and check his face. As he looked at himself in the mirror, he saw a reflection of someone's legs swinging bare feet under the stall. And he went to silently chuckle by saying that's just too weird for someone to take their shoes off doing their business. But then he realized the stall he was seeing the feet in was the same one that he was going to enter. There wasn't anyone else in the washroom. And so he ran out and never came back. It is said that someone took their life in that same stall by hanging themselves. And the first thing they ever saw was his bare feet hanging because he locked the stall when he did it. A fourth story is how, again, in the north section, I guess this wing must be the oldest of the four buildings, and that's why it's so popular for stories. There was a mechanics class going on at 7 o'clock in the evening, and it was going all good when suddenly the professor stared silently and blankly at the end of the room. The students turned their heads to see a very old man in period clothing standing in middle of the rows and chairs at the back of the room. It said that the figure was so clear that everyone became shocked to see it, and then it just faded away. The classes ended early, and nothing else was spoken. This story is kind of popular just because people, or, or excuse me, students, want a haunting to cut their class short. And lastly, this one is a more of a modern story. I had a professor in a class called MATLAB, and all of her classes have been great. She's a bit strict but fine overall, and let's just call her Professor J. So this story I heard from one of my classmates from a different degree program. One day, Professor J was having class, and a student showed up a bit late after roll call, and she was taking her seat, and while she was taking her seat, Professor J just walked out of the room. She stood with her back against the door for like minutes. There was a glass pane so we could see through it. Everyone was confused so they just fell silent. When she came back in the room, the first thing she did was address the girl, and she said, something, not someone, something was following her, and the professor just had to get out of the room and pray and do incantations to remove that something. She asked the girl how she was doing, and the girl turned pale and admitted that her life wasn't going well at the moment. Professor Jay told her to be careful, and that was that. The girl um, was, wasn't was asked to leave or anything, but I learned on that day that Professor Jay had a reputation for having powers. Now, either this is a scare tactic or what, no clue. But still, it's a pretty creepy story. Keep up the great work to everyone involved, everyone who donates, and everyone who shares their story. Thanks, Luigi. Thanks, Luigi. I'm fascinated by the Philippines. Thank you for sharing. So, Derek, I know the listeners can't see us right now but i would like to tell you about my latest cryptid crate t-shirt which i know you know but it's literally my favorite t-shirt i would like to just tell you the quality of the artwork is amazing rob morphy the quality of the printing is awesome cryptid crate i am never disappointed in my cryptid crate and i'm not i don't even i'm not paid to say that like i buy a cryptid crate monthly it's because true. I like it that much. She doesn't even get a discount. I tried to give her one. She wouldn't take it. That's the truth, folks. I tried. Uh, I, we should add that uh, Night Animal Records, uh, Nick Anderson over in Phoenix, is my printer, and I think he does amazing work. Um, he does. Uh, if you're into like, uh, I, I'm pretty sure he does like punk punk music. So if uh, that's something you're into, 
Um, maybe check out Night Animal Records. I know he, he uh, reps some independent artists there. Uh, but yeah, the, the Lizard Man shirt, I was pleased as punch with the artwork that uh, that Rob Morphy sent over. And um, it's been pretty well received, which I knew it would be after seeing that design. Uh, I actually think I have a couple boxes left over. I'm waiting for some uh, new supplies to come in that uh, I ran out of. But I will have a few of those boxes up in our Etsy shop at uh, cryptidcrate.etsy.com if you want to uh, get one of those leftover boxes. But, uh, yeah, thanks for the plug there, Addy. That's um, very nice of you. It's the truth. (laughs) Okay, well, moving on here. Our next call is our only anonymous submission of the evening, and it comes to us from the state of Texas. I just want to start off by saying I love your podcast. Keep it up. You're doing great. I'm just calling in my first-time caller. don't really want to state my name just because of what I do for a living, but... uh, I'm calling and wanted to tell you a story in regards to, I know you were wanting to get some stories together for college, you know, like back to school college episodes or whatever. <clears throat> I used to be a, a a police officer in Austin area. And one of the places that I was assigned to was the Austin Community College Rio Grande campus, which is downtown Austin. Uh, it's very very old building. It's right there off of Rio Grande, maybe two or three blocks from the Capitol. Uh, but uh, from what I understand, it was the original Austin High School. So very old, very creepy building and, you know, lots of sightings and so forth happened there. Uh, I'm a, personally, I'm a skeptic. I've never really had any ghostly encounters or anything while I worked there. <clears throat> but what I did have was contact with the cleaning crew that would come in every evening uh, they would get there as I was leaving. You know, I would leave. <clears throat> they would show up around 10 o'clock at night and stay there all night. And then I would leave at 11 o'clock at night. And that, you know, I never really, you know, as I said, I, I didn't really see anything except just generally having a creepy feel. But uh, anyway, so I would always have conversations with the cleaning crew there. And uh, what I did witness one night was a cleaning crew female that was working there. She didn't speak English, but I could tell she was really spooked. And she had a rosary on. She came up to me speaking Spanish. I didn't speak Spanish, so I told her to go talk to her supervisor. <clears throat> anyway, speaking to her supervisor the next day, you know, asked her what happened. She said the first day they sent her to one of the one of the buildings there, and you know, two three o'clock in the morning, she heard little kids uh, playing and running around in the building and stuff. And there was nobody there. We locked all the doors, so she was the only one in there. So that freaked her out. <clears throat> so they let her go home early that day. And they told her, you know, just come back the next day. Well, that was the day that I saw her. She had brought her rosary, you know, hoping to get some protection. So same thing. They sent her back over there to that building. And something scared her so bad. The uh, supervisor told me that she just walked in and basically just told her, I, I can't do this. There's too much crazy stuff going on. And she quit on the spot. So. So that was pretty interesting, and then uh, I had a long conversation with the supervisor, and she spoke broken English, but enough for me to communicate. She had some great stories of stuff that had happened to her before while working there. Uh, and I'll, there's two that kind of stand out to me, and I'll kind of get to them real quick. The first one, she was downstairs by herself. We had a basement level there. She was down there, and uh, something pulled her hair, and she thought it was one of her coworkers like playing a prank on her. I pulled her hair enough to where it yanked her head back. 
So she uh, quickly turned around and nobody was there. You know, she said that was the one time that really freaked her out because something physically grabbed her. Uh, and then the other one that I thought was a little more creepy and more movie-like, I guess, uh, she was mopping the floor in the break room, which is right at the time was right by a really old theater in there. And, uh, you know, she told me she would always hear kids laughing and stuff like that. But, uh, but she said she had heard little kids laughing in the room as she was mopping. But the part that really freaked her out was she saw little kid footsteps pattering across the floor where she had just mopped where the floor was wet. She said she just had to put the stuff down and just run out of the room because it scared her so bad. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that story with you for your, uh, you know, college stories. And if you look it up, I think there's been some stuff done about that that old campus that used to be the original high school or original school in Austin or whatever. Uh, anyway, again, keep up the good work. Thank you for your time. Have a good one. Thank you, caller, for submitting that call. It has to be a testament to the activity that took place in that school that someone was willing to walk away from a brand new job, especially a job at a school. I feel like, Addie, maybe you can agree or disagree. It's probably a good job to have. No, I agree. The school districts, at least where I live, take very good care of their employees, and it had to be some very significant activity. To happen, And I would like to thank anyone who has ever served and protected us, the civilians of the United States. So thank you, caller, for your service as a police officer. I agree. I agree. My, my brother's a, a cop back home. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, you guys are in my, in my thoughts. Okay, we're moving on. We got a few calls left for the night. Uh, I know this is a bit of a marathon for everyone, but, uh, you know, pace yourselves. Uh, but the following call comes to us from Kat. Hi, my name is Kat, and I'm calling from Adelaide. Love your show. I've you know, discovered it, um, Adelaide, Australia, that is. I've just discovered it a few weeks ago, and I've been binging it. It's brilliant. I saw that you're calling for stories from people with schools and so forth, and that made me think about a time when I was working at a school about three years ago. I wasn't a teacher. I was working in marketing there. And the admin staff or the non-teaching staff were, our officers were in this big old mansion that had originally been a homestead house um, about 130 years ago when it was built. And it was a homestead house for decades and there was this one rich family that, you know, there were generations that lived and died in this house basically before the school bought it and it became a, um, a boarding house for the girls, it's a private girls' school. Anyway, supposedly this this building is haunted. And I did have a couple of experiences while I was working there. There would be times when I'd be in the, the lunchroom and I'd be making myself a cup of tea or whatever and you know, you know, facing down on the counter and stuff. And I would be certain someone had walked in and was standing behind me. And, I, you know, it was just this absolute certainty. Like, you know, when someone does come in and you can just feel their presence and... It would be to the point I would say hi and turn around to see who it was, and there was no one there any time. And it was uncanny because I've never felt anything like that, you know, being so short someone was there. I need to discover there was no one there. Anyway, and there, there was another time when I was working in my office and I worked alone, and it was, I would just be, I was basically typing at my computer, and I had that weird feeling again of someone being in my, in my office, 
and there was definitely no one there because I, I faced the, I, I would face the door and I could see that no one had walked in. And I was just like, huh. And then I could see out of the corner of my eye and I looked down to have a better look and I could see that there was, there'd been this cotton bag basically that I was using to carry documents in because I lost my suitcase, my briefcase somewhere. And I could see this, this bag with the documents start sliding across the floor and stop. And I was just like, what the heck? And then it started sliding again till it met the, the hall, uh, till it met the uh, wall, rather. And it was, it was freaky because, you know, I felt and I, I kind of went over and there was no drafts or anything. It wasn't even a windy day. And it would surely be too heavy for, because of the documents inside it for anyone to, for, for, for a wind to be able to just like move it along. So it was bizarre. I'd never seen anything like it before. I've never seen anything like it since. And the hairs on the back of my head, my, my neck just stood up. It was, it was, yeah, it was creepy. Um, anyway, I was only working there for a year, so didn't see anything else. Don't know what else I might have seen if I'd stayed there longer, but that's my story. Hope you like it. Cheers. Thank you, Kat, for submitting that story. Uh, I guess I, I lied to everyone when I said that Luigi's call was the only international call. I completely forgot that uh, Kat was calling from Australia. So uh, thank you for calling from such a long distance. Now, the the entity she felt behind her is creepy in its own way, but the bag of, of documents or books sliding across the floor, what do you make of that? Uh, it, it's somewhat similar to uh, the story you just told about the moving helmet at the school you taught at. Well, I feel like sometimes like a glass of water on a table gets enough condensation and it moves, but a bag of books or documents is pretty heavy. Yeah, and there shouldn't be any water moving that, that bag there. And if there was, I'm sure that the cat would have recognized that it was a sopping wet bag and uh, that would have caused a whole nother investigation, I assume. Yeah, it is just something something really strange about that. And you see videos like this on YouTube all the time, and, and you never know what to make of them because they're so easily faked. Um, but when someone swears that they experienced it, you you kind of have to take them for their word on that. I, I just hope someday I get to experience something like that, to be quite honest. Okay, we have one more call to share with you guys. But first, I need to mention this. I want to give a huge thank you to the following people for their very generous donations. William G., Hunter B., Teresa Z., thank you again, Teresa, Lubna A., and our largest donation to date, Jeremy S. A huge thank you to you guys. You guys keep the lights on, and you keep the show ad-free or, at best, ad-minimum. Um, I, I, I hate to announce, but sometime soon we're going to start reading a few ads here and there. Uh, to help the show grow. But uh, a huge thank you again to you guys. I truly, truly appreciate that. And I'd like to add, William G. is a regular contributor to the Facebook page, and I really appreciate everything you give us. You guys certainly make that page a lot of fun, I can tell you that much. Okay, now before I play the final call of the evening, I want to introduce the most haunted school in the country that just so happened to be about an hour from where I grew up. Ohio University in Athens, Ohio. The Ohio University in Athens is perhaps the most haunted campus in the world. The place was established in 1804, a year after the statehood. 
the number of allegedly haunted places on the site is quite impressive, and they're added to the numerous legends regarding Athens County. Wilson Hall is the most famous haunted place on the campus. It's the building that most people point to when speaking about haunted Athens. The building is apparently located in the middle of an immense pentagram consisting of five cemeteries situated in the region. The graveyards are scattered around the area and when looked at on a map, they form a pentagram. A pentagram is the ancient occult symbol of power and magic. According to the pagan tradition, a pentagram might create safe areas free from any paranormal activity. The centre is extremely important, and it's no wonder that Wilson Hall resides in the middle of this cemetery pentagram. Wilson Hall is said to be the home of a ghost that died in a mysterious way in the 1970s. He died in room 428, and years after students residing in that room have heard strange sounds and footsteps as well as witnessing several objects moving by themselves on their own. Since these occurrences the room has been closed off, and was not given to any new students again. This is perhaps the only university room in the world that is sealed off and closed. The school officials have proclaimed the room is uninhabitable. The story says that the female student passed away in that room. It's said that the girl made use of the room's energy to practice a method where the human spirit travels on its own after separating from the body. This technique is known as astral projection. The student was also rumoured to have repeatedly attempted to contact the dead. Another legend tells that Wilson Hall was built on the grounds of an Indian cemetery, and the spirits are of this origin. Spiritualist experts claim that the geography of the area with the layout of peaks, mountains and valleys makes the spot very conductive to psychic energy. At the beginning of the 1980s, a newspaper researched the property in a routine examination for the institute. They discovered that Wilson Hall was built in the same location as the original site of an early cemetery of the Athens Mental Institute. That clip comes courtesy of Unexplained Mysteries on YouTube. I love that channel. I highly suggest you guys go check it out. Uh, Now, as far as OU is concerned, I know a lot of people that went there and they have crazy stories about different ghost activity that that they've not only experienced themselves but heard about uh, in one of the biggest Halloween party towns in the country by far. Uh, If anybody gets a chance to do like a ghost tour or something down there, I highly, highly recommend it. Okay, so I know, I think, I think this is your favorite call, Addy. You are correct. And this is a call that, uh, a subject matter that I never imagined I would get on the show. And I certainly didn't think I would get it with a all-school episode. But, here we go. The following is Jordan's call. Hello, I have a story about a haunted mummy. I'm not sure if you've ever had a mummy story before, but I figured every good ghost story podcast should have at least one. So I was attending a school in the Midwest which had a mummy in their collection. It's available to be seen by the public and is pretty cool. It's the mummy of a five to six year old girl, so it isn't terribly big. It was kept in the library, which is where my stories or stories takes place. Uh, I was a student library worker for a few years and over that period of time I mostly worked nights. I liked working nights there. It was usually really quiet and I could get a lot done while working at the front desk. How it worked at the library was that I would work at the circulation desk by myself until about half an hour before the library closed and another library worker would come and we would close the library together. 
over my time there, I mostly closed with the same three or four people each time, and it seemed that about once a week something weird would happen. Usually these would be small things or things that could be easily debunked as just overactive imaginations. The first was that there would be sometimes just a weird feeling like we were being watched or followed as we closed. It never felt malevolent or scary, just weird. We would also occasionally hear what sounded like footsteps running in the basement. The weird part of this, though, was it sounded like a little kid running around, never an adult. For the most part, this was about the norm of what we would experience, but there were two times that the experiences were different and harder for me to explain. The first time was on a Saturday evening, and one of my favorite co-workers and I were closing. He was closing at the circulation desk, and I was closing in the stacks, which meant I was going through rows of shelves and making sure no one was hiding and that everything was in order. Our stacks were super filled with shelves, so each row of shelves had a wheel on it that you could turn to the right or left to make it so you could have an aisle to walk down. Sometimes that meant you would only have to move one shelf left or right to make an aisle, but it also meant that sometimes you would have to move like four or five shelves before you could make an aisle. There is one part in the stacks, though, that has a pipe jutting out of the wall, so there are like two full-length shelves, three shorter shelves between them. When open, this would create a little pocket someone could hide in, and that always kind of made me paranoid, so I would always make sure that those shelves were all closed so the little pocket was closed off. I would usually lock those shelves, since each wheel had a way you could lock it so that if you were in the aisle, it would prevent anyone from accidentally closing it on you. I hope all that makes sense. So those shelves were open during my final walkthrough, so I closed and locked them like I always did. I vividly remember doing that this day because of what happened next. After doing my walkthrough, I went back to the circulation desk where my coworker was and was talking to him when all of a sudden we both heard the little running footsteps and then started to hear the shelves move in the stacks, specifically where I would do my nightly locking routine. My coworker looked at me and was like, there's someone downstairs? Because we both figured that maybe I had missed someone during my walkthrough. So I walked back into the stacks and found that the shelves I had locked had all been unlocked and had been moved to the sides and there was a big aisle now open there. I ran back to my coworker who was like, same old, same old. But for some reason, this whole experience is one that has always stayed with me. And I didn't really have another experience like it until my last week at the library. So, it was my last week. I was walking to the offices in the back of the library when I had a weird experience that sort of felt like the ghost was saying goodbye to me. There's a hallway in the back of the library where there is an elevator at one end of the hallway and a janitor closet about six feet away on the right side. I was walking towards the elevator and was just about to pass the janitor's closet where I heard a little, almost childlike voice say something from the janitor's closet. I turned and tried the handle of the closet, and it was locked as it always is, but I swear it was at this moment that I heard what sounded like the janitor closet door opening and closing, and then I heard footsteps sort of skip around me, and I heard them walk down the hallway to the elevator. The elevator sort of sunk a little, as if someone had just stood in it, and then the doors closed and nothing happened. I tried to debunk it, but it happened so fast and was so much more than I had experienced outside of the one other time that I couldn't really come up with anything. I always thought it was the mummy that was haunted, because 
it never really felt like a malevolent spirit. It felt sort of like a little kid that was trying to play with the workers and just playing around in the library. It was the weirdest experience I've ever had, and I think about it often. Thanks, and I love the show. Jordan. Thank you, Jordan, for that amazing call. Like I said, I never in a million years imagined I would get a mummy call on the show. Uh, but there certainly have been legends, you know, in, in folklore and in recent times of um, cursed Egyptian, not only uh, objects, but uh, bodies, mummies. And so perhaps that's exactly what, uh, what we're talking about in this situation. Well, not only that, Derek, it takes place in a library. Libraries are such magical places. As you recall, the first time I was on the show, Isabel had sent in, and for those of you who don't know, Isabel is my daughter, had sent in a call about the ghost in her library. That's right. And I feel like libraries hold so much magic. And folks, Crypto Den Mom says, read 20 minutes a night with your kids. That's how we grow readers. It's true. It's very true. I also want to thank uh, Warren Pawn Abbott for reading that story for us. Um, he's actually in the wilderness. Uh, I don't know exactly what he's doing, but he's started a new job somewhere in the wilderness, and he recorded that from his cell phone. So uh, being a real trooper there, I really appreciate that, Warren. Um, and guess what, guys? That's going to do it for this episode. First, I, I want to thank Addie for being here and uh, helping me go through all these stories. I realize this wasn't a conventional episode and I'll be back next week with a conventional episode, but sometimes it's fun to shake things up and, and do things a little differently, have, get a conversation going and the calls you guys sent in, I, I got to say they're amazing. So thank you so much for, for all these submissions. Addie, is there anything you'd like to add before we, before we sign this thing off? Well, we had talked about doing another show once we hit 1,000 members, and we are well over 1,000 members on the Facebook page. And there was another caveat when we hit 2,000 members, and I will save that for a different guest appearance on a different Monsters Among Us. Let me just say you guys should definitely go join the Facebook group page just so we can find out what this next level is. Uh, I have an idea of what it is, and if it's what I think... You guys are going to enjoy this. So, Derek, thank you very much for this opportunity to be on the podcast again. I truly enjoy the interactions I have with the fans and everything I learn from you as a skeptical believer. Because as me, I'm more of a, oh my God, did that really happen person. So I truly thank you for your level-headed approach. I appreciate that. Thank you. And it goes without saying, or maybe it shouldn't, that... uh, a huge thank you to you for all the work that you do for free, I might add, with the show. You, you grow our numbers and you grow our participation. And I can't thank you enough for everything that you do for the show. Thank you. That means a lot. And on that note, we're going to end this. Uh, a big thank you again to Addie and Warren for their help. Music from this episode was provided by Mayu and Coag Music. And all audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.
It all starts with an invitation to experience Lexus. To start the ignition. To feel confident. To be connected to everything. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle. But it becomes a dynamic experience. The Invitation to Lexus sales event. Your invitation is always open. But the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.